Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint and the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. This is all pretty new, so I wanted to restate what we're doing. You're listening to the Bear Grease podcast, which is a documentary-style podcast about people who live their lives close to the land. Every two weeks, we produce such a podcast, and it includes multiple interviews stitched together to form a robust story. On the off weeks, we release the Bear Grease Render, and that's what this episode is. Render is a metaphor for taking solid bear fat and rendering it down into a liquid. This is where myself, along with a group of folks, distill and dissect the previous documentary style episodes. It's Bear Grease Unplugged. So get ready for some fun on this one. All right. Welcome to the Bear Grease Render. We're singing this song in honor of uh, the Clark family over in East Tennessee. Mr. Roy was on uh, 50 Years in the Backerfield podcast. This song is called Old Slewfoot. We got Misty Newcomb on the banjo, Brent Reeves on the washboard, Josh Spillmaker on the guitar, Daniel Roop on the uh, cowbell baculum, and Mr. Malachi <laughs> Nichols on percussion. <laughs> High on the mountaintop, tell me what you see. Bear tracks, bear tracks, looking back at me. 
You better get your rifles, boys, before it's too late. Bear's got a little pig, and he's headed for the gate. Oh, he's big around the middle, and he's brought across the front. Running 90 miles an hour, taking 30 feet of jump. He ain't never been caught. He ain't never been treated. Some folks say he's a lot like me. Woo! I thought you were going to sing with me, Josh. Misty saved up her money and she bought her some bees. Started making honey way up in the trees. She cut down them trees, but the honey's all gone. Old Slewfoot done made himself at home. Oh, he's big around the middle and he's brought across the front Running 90 miles an hour, taking 30 feet of jump He ain't never been caught, he ain't never been treated Some folks say he's a lot like me Alright, winter's coming boys Winter's coming and it's 40 below Rivers froze over, so where can he go? We'll run him up the holler and we'll put him in a well. Shoot him in the bottom just to listen to him yell. Everybody! Oh, he's big around the middle and he's brought across the front. Running 90 miles an hour, taking 30 feet of jump. He ain't never been caught. He ain't never been treated, ain't had nobody after him like me. He ain't Perfect. never been called, he ain't never been treated. He ain't never been caught. I got my. I, I can. I can do a little Loretta Lynn. Oh, <laughs> <totally>. <laughs> hey. Welcome to the Bear Grease Render podcast. The Bear Grease Render. Backstage. This is the second. This is the second Bear Grease second. Render. And for those of you who might be new to this here little show, the Bear Grease Render is where we render down and distill the documentary style podcasts that are the Bear Grease podcast. So the Bear and because this is new, we got to explain. It, don't you think, Doctor Dan? Uh, I feel good about it. So. The every uh, every week, the Bear Grease podcast is a documentary style narrative storytelling podcast where we explore culture, where we explore all kinds of interesting, fun stuff. Right? The Bear Grease Render is where me and my merry group of men and one lady who I will be introducing soon these podcasts. So we've had two podcasts that we're going to talk about. But before we do that, I've got to give proper introductions, okay? Um, last time you guys would have met Brent Reeves, who is, uh, did you guys know that Brent Reeves was an undercover narcotics agent for many, many years? Is he allowed to say that? He looks, he is. He he is. looks like one. My man crush on you just like quadrupled. <laughs> <laughs> Brent Reeves is my spirit animal. Well, rawr. What that essentially equates to is that he is a professional liar. <laughs> oh, it's true. Now, this goes hey, back to my Panther story. No, true story. <laughs> when I first met Brent, 
I was like, I was joking. You guys didn't meet while I he was, was working. Joking. Too, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope not. I don't think so. I was, I was sort of joking, but I was sort of serious. I felt like he may have been working undercover for like the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission to try to infiltrate and bust me. And I was like, dude, I got nothing to hide. That's what everybody says. That's what everybody says. But now, had you actually thought I was an undercover cop, I would have been really bad at it. Well, see, I I thought that was the genius of it. Reverse You come in and you're like, man, I used to be an undercover narcotics agent. (laughs) And then I would be like, well, he just told me his shtick. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm a full-time game of fish agent. (laughs) (laughs) And then we have Josh Spillmaker. Welcome, Josh. Hello. So Josh is just my longtime buddy. Um Got lots of funny stories about you, but I couldn't really. Uh, some of them can't be repeated. <laughs> but uh, we'll keep those between you. We've and me. also got Dr. Daniel Roop here. Dan is a highlight guest today because he oh. was on the Akron podcast. Hmm. So Dan, oh, wow. was, Dan was the he was feature. Riveting. He was the feature academic guest on the podcast, searching for Akerns. And uh, man, I thought you did a phenomenal job, Absolutely. and we'll get we'll get into that later. And but, as hey, feel, of yet unpaid guests, you shouldn't <laughs> feel discriminated against because you say acorn. I I do. Do you say acorn? I think it's interchangeable, probably. Wow, really? code switching. Is you you code switching son of a gun. <laughs> What'd you say? Is the pledge of allegiance interchangeable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. No, hey, did you guys know, did you guys know Daniel Roop speaks fluent Mandarin Chinese? Do you know hey. that my wife minored in Mandarin? I did not. I didn't yeah. know that. That's awesome. She can't speak a lick. But Dan, here's my, qu- here's my question for you. How do you say bear grease in Mandarin Chinese? Bear ge- grease would be xiong mao. That's actually panda. It's like somebody that would be awesome. Yeah. Whoa. Talk about taking it up a notch, Clay. Yeah. I'd like to see one of those mounted in here. Do that again. Grease I swear it's like oil. We are not. Show my y'all. I think that's for a, real. Panda oil would hey. be the dynamic equivalent. Wow. Yeah. Now, just like in like a very short snippet, talk to me about tonal languages. So I was mesmerized yeah. in. One time at a bear camp around a fire, are you talking about tonal I can't language? Guaranteed to mesmerize everybody, <laughs> but you can have like the same like M A Ma or like we would say Mama. That same word Ma Ma Ma. There's four different tones, and each one means a totally different thing. So one is horse, one is immediately, one is tumor, one is wow. you know. So and the crazy, Porta the most potty, frustrating thing culvert. about it is. Is there seems to be very little cooperation in context if you're talking with a person who's fluent in Chinese and you accidentally use the wrong tone, which is like me every five seconds, <laughs> and you're you're saying, "Hey, you know, I like that immediately." You and have a like, tumor. You're, I'm sorry, you have a tumor. <laughs> like, no, I want it immediately. You have a really large tumor. <laughs> no, I, it's, I'm not talking about tumors. It's very yeah. so they repeat back what you said, like almost to show you that you. Yeah. Because it's important to get their language right. Well, it's like they have a different word for everything. (laughs) Well, missing something. No, in in that. Well, boring. (laughs) (laughs) No tonal language, man. That's like we don't have tonal language. Are there other tonal languages? Yes, there are tons. Are we Arabic tonal? I don't know the answer to that. Hmm. Yeah, we use tone all the time, but it's like to communicate emotion or a question. Like at the end of the sentence, you'll go up. Right. 
but they use tone means meaning. And then, hey, you know. speaking of tonal languages, hmm. this the most fascinating thing, and I'm not getting ahead of myself. We're still in introductions because oh, there's okay. still two guests yet to introduce. Wow! But oh, I want to bring this up. This book, Southern Mountain Speech by Cratus Williams. If in the the most intriguing thing about fifty years in the backerfield with Mr. Roy Clark is his accent. Like I just like hearing the man talk. And this book talks about how mountain people sometimes well, they use that well, I was going down through there. Mm. To really emphasize, and they elongate the endings of sentences and bring them way up. Mm. And Mr. Roy does that all the time. Yeah, are we talking awesome. about the podcast now? Or are we still? No, we're not. We're still in introductions, Josh. Okay. I'd we're, like to just say Arabic is not a tonal language. You Googled it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. It's good so enough. we're going to come back to this because I want to. I want to talk about the reasons why the content that is in that podcast is in it. Okay. So to directly to my left. Dr. Malachi Nichols, how what's are up, you, brother? I'm doing good. What do you think good. of that music? It was it was nice. It's nice <laughs> live. I don't think I would drive home listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice live. Okay, that's you a, that's a, new that's, a, that's a nice way to say it. But you were a part of the band. I was. I yeah. was representing percussions. Yes. Yes. Would good. I be invited back next week? I don't know. You were able to listen to the podcast, so yeah. I, I know you've got some meaty. Stuff to say. Yeah, some meaty, some, some acorn meat, to Ooh, be specific. acorn meat. That was actually a phrase you used quite a bit. He showed his hand. He just showed us his hand. Do you trust me? me. <laughs> Whoa! We're not, in, we're not into this yet, buddy. We'll get there. Introductions. <laughs> oh, okay. to, my, to, my, to my right is our guest of honor. Whoa. This is my wife, Misty Newcomb. Mm. Hi. Who the, all you guys know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But Misty, Misty is... For many reasons, qualified to be here, but she has been on the Bear Grease podcast. We've said a couple of times the only person that's really not qualified to be here is Josh because he, <laughs> hasn't, he hasn't been on an actual Bear Grease podcast. But everybody else has. But Misty was on uh, Death of a Bear Hunter, so which keeping, has been yeah. one of the probably the most talked about of the podcast to date. Probably um, my specific contribution. It's it was the a most, great contribution. Most talked about. Misty went yes. with me at the end. Do you guys remember? <laughs> yeah. We Erskine. walked down into oh, yeah. where yeah. we believe Erskine's grave to be. Yeah. And we got some commentary. So, Misty, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Nice banjo work. Thank you. You glad to be here? I'm very glad to be here. Misty's okay. sporting her farm boots It's today. true. Yeah, Misty's I was going back and on. forth to the house. Hey, I want to say, too, that my dad, Gary Newcomb, was unable to come today. He loves coming up here. And uh, a lady that was 98 years old, that was quite influential in his career, passed away in the funeral was today, and he couldn't get around not coming. So oh, it was, he uh, yeah. he went to that funeral. Way to bring it so, down. Well, no, it's a <laughs> celebration, man. Celebration. Golly, if you live 98 years old, yeah, for real, and people want to come to your funeral, you probably are doing pretty good. So get, but hey. Gary Newcomb, there is like rumor on the internet of like a Gary Newcomb fan club. <laughs> <laughs> multiple people. Multiple the Black people. Panthers. I think it's called the Black Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Panther believers. The Black Panther believers. Yeah. Yeah. No. So uh, there's a couple of things I want to bring up that some some feedback that I got. Okay. 
and and I want you guys to chime in with your commentary. So, you know, on the Akron podcast, and that's what we'll talk about first, okay? We're going to get to a point where we don't have multiple episodes to discuss in every Bear Grease render. This one, we have two. Last Bear Grease render, we had a bunch more. But I had some guys hit me pretty hard for the way I... I, I think I was one of these people. Well, tell me what you were going to say. I, I have no problem with your use of the... Whether you choose to to say acorn or acorn makes no difference to me. What I do have a problem with is the way you pronounce pronunciation. I didn't know that was a word. I, oh. I always thought it was pronunciation <laughs> like it was spelled, but apparently there's a well, new dialect. Do you, how do you pronounce uh okay yeah every time people many many people were like clay great podcast the You're way you say guy. pronunciation is totally wrong i never even heard I didn't catch, it i didn't catch you didn't it. hear it i, I didn't catch catch you it. say it, it i say it like you yeah. pronunciation do you really yes you say Good. pronunciation? It's pronunciation. Pronunciation. It's pronunciation. Say it. Pro- You're pronunciation. German, though, aren't you German? Pronunciation. Yeah. Uh-huh. pronunciation. I was raised just a few miles south of him, and we said pronunciation. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Hatfield, we said pronunciation. <laughs> no, they didn't. I mean, it's not very If old. Hatfield's getting it right. <laughs> well, wow. I, I, no, I, it's fair game. Like, I, that's exactly the kind of feedback I need. I think I'm not going to change. Dr. Daniel Roop can work with you on You would your say tonality. pronunciation. I would. I guess I'm wrong. I would never say even that thought about well, Mandarin. The way that I think about it is I don't I've never pronounced a word <laughs> and you know been worried about the way I pronounced a word until now that I have to say pronunciation. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I thought you see. You see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I thought you had a mini stroke because I, that I never heard it sound like that. <laughs> That's they so call that, it that was one play. thing. Yeah. That was one thing that came up. Um, hey, the people came out in droves to to leave reviews on iTunes for us. Oh, really? Which oh, is awesome. Deal. And we we we. I mean, like I don't know. Sometimes like you just want to do somebody a favor, mm-hmm. just for no good reason, and uh, and it's it's helped us in. Overwhelmingly like positive reviews. A couple, a couple not so positive. Did anybody uh, stand up for me not having been on the Bear Grease podcast yet? Nobody was worried about that. <laughs> we think it's the silent majority. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to find those bad reviews, you'll have to go through and read all the other reviews. So you're not going to read them? Well, kind of like I, I the mean about, Twitter messages. I thought about giving, mm-hmm. I think give if we the give themes, too much credit we're... to the bad guys, then people are going to be like, <laughs> Well, let's leave a bad review. What so. happens if you read one and somebody's like, oh, yeah, I never thought about I that. It. I totally get it. <laughs> that does suck. <laughs> Let me change my review. <laughs> so thanks to everybody that's listening that gave us iTunes reviews. That was really great. Akron Podcast. A guy sent me, a guy from Amador, California, sent me a private message on Instagram about this First Nation tribe called the Miwoks, M-I-W-O-K-S. And there's this big... And I believe it's sandstone. I'm not sure the type of rock that it is, but it's in this area that they used to camp and whatnot. And a lot of the the Indians in California, they they there's several tribes that m- milled acorns into flour and made bread. And so there's this rock, this big rock that's about as big as the the building here that we're in. And there were 
holes, divots in the rock where they had ground oh, wow. acorn flour for, you know, presumably thousands of years. Right. And so he, he wanted to show me that. And there's an incredible video that was made in the 1930s about making acorn bread. And it was, you could tell it was like a real deal um, Native American lady. And it was in California. I'm not sure if she was one of the Miwoks, but there's a, there's a video making uh, bread from acorns, I think. And it's on YouTube. But this guy said his friends, one of his friends is a Miwok. And he told his Miwok good friend about the acorn podcast. And he said, hey, this guy made this podcast about acorns. This is what his, his friend said to him. He said, he said, well, he said, I told my Miwok buddy about your podcast. And he said, thank God I don't have to eat my uncle's acorn soup again. <laughs> <laughs> Time for better. better I thought that was funny. Pretty funny. That was, that <laughs> pretty funny. Misty <laughs> think it's pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, acorn podcast, searching for acorns. What do you think? Malachi, what do you think? Man, I first of all, I've never heard you say acorn. Like I Pardon? can't even. I what can't did even, you just say? Acorn. I can't even <laughs> get it out of my mouth. Like acorn. I've if you never, hadn't heard me say acorn, you hadn't been listening. Man, I've it's it's acorn. I just it, I've I was raised on acorn. I'm from Texas. Yeah. Um, and it, it's always been. I've always heard it and pronounced it. Now <laughs> now I can't even talk. <laughs> um, acorn, and I just thought it was. Pretty so crazy. so you so you're like listening to that content like this would have been something totally new to you yeah like didn't, you didn't even know there was it was a, a big thing. issue yeah 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 had no idea it was a big issue right I was an adult when I realized it was a big issue and I had actually you know and this is a conversation for another day but mm. I had been a little embarrassed about how my family was treated when they would talk in public <laughs> up north and so I had put a lot of effort into changing my accent when I was younger so that people wouldn't like snicker when I spoke. When I met her, she was 16 years old. And the first conversation I had with her, I said, you're not from around here. Really? Mm -hmm. And she said, yes, I am. And I said, really, where are you from? And she's, you know, she told me the town, which was like five miles away. I was like, you're from there. Like not, you didn't move there. And it was because code switching. Code switching. Code switching, <laughs> son of a gun. And I went to, drove by the school district with your wife, Christy. Yep. Christy Spillmaker. And I said, that's where Clay's mom works. That's Akron School District. And I had put all this effort into changing how I spoke. And she said, what did you just say? <laughs> and and I said, Akron. And she said, oh, that's funny. I thought that that was like the oak, the thing that grew into oaks. I thought that was how it was spelled. And I said, what are you talking about? I, I had no idea that there was any, I would have attempted to change the way I said it at that point in my life. And Christy kept saying, are you saying acorn? And I said, yeah, acorn. And, and it was kind of like when you talk to a kid who thinks they're saying it the right way. Yeah. Like my niece would say tooties and we would say, you, you say she meant cooties. Anyways, we'd go back and forth. But Christy and I went back and forth and we could never figure out that. And it was a shock to me that that, that so she you were an adult before you realized yeah. this. And so, uh, so what was the, the what was the impact, Malachi? Of uh, like, if you didn't know there was this thing going on, like, was it was it what what you what you, Man, what you, you take know, on as because you would be in the eighty percent, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. so it's you know yeah I I think you know my general takeaway is that there's always something deeper, you know you can't assume, and I think 
what what you're getting at is that southern draw, that southern culture, the way people talk. I talk different. Um, I'm educated. It doesn't matter. Um, and I think people, when you hear me talk or hear certain things that people say, you automatically try to put them in a group. Yeah. And I think inside of the podcast, you you show and and also challenge people to think differently, and that don't automatically assume that you know the full picture by just one person what one person says. But at the same time, also agree and also dabble with it being like a signal, what people mm, say. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's there's different sects. There's different, you know, I'm in education. So when people say different things, I kind of know their level of understanding. Um, but you have to use it appropriately. And I think inside of, inside of the issue of acorn versus acorn, I think it challenges people just to don't always assume yeah. there's something deeper. Um, and usually that thing, something deeper is people's history, yeah. right? How they were raised. I think, you know, listening to your mom, Juju, talk about Akron School District. It's like, I get where you where why you say it. That's that's a yeah. history that's valuable that yeah. that can't, you can't shun it off just because it's different than what you do. Yeah. Or different than what you've experienced. Well, and what's interesting, and Dan, I think you you might could speak to this, but the the trend inside of a world that's massively communi- communicating with each other is to do kind of what Misty did to try to sound normal. I read about I, I just yesterday saw watched a video on an island off the coast of North Carolina, Ocracoke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, have you heard of that? Yeah. And and they they had this like incredible very distinct dialect that could directly be linked back to England and different things. In the 80s, basically that dialect started to be lost because of television and kids moving off and outside Mm -hmm. influence. And, you know, it's, I guess in some ways you kind of just have to decide like what, what has value. And I mean, like, I don't think Mm -hmm. anybody's, I'm not necessarily, I'm not, staking my life on whether my kids say acorn or acorn but i do think it has value i I do and so i think we can i think there is value in maintaining some Mm -hmm. cultural identity well i mean like the pronunciation of that word pronunciation of that word has value because identity has value and so like you say um the the story of gerstocker you know, and that story and how it's impacted your life, that has value. And so maybe probably has more value than acorn or acorn. So you would hope that that would shape your family. Uh, and everybody, essentially, we all construct identity and we're all trying to have and maintain a stable. I mean, we're all fundamentally insecure. And so we're all trying to, except for Josh, with that mustache, <laughs> how could you be insecure? I don't know. If you're not, oh, we Josh, got, I got something to say about mustaches later. Oh, and it's going <laughs> to oh be good. Oh, my goodness. But we're all one a stable identity. And so we're, we're always using things, all kinds of things of greater and lesser kind of value and worth, depending on your perspective, mm-hmm. to make that identity. And then you, in our world where we're so, you go up north for the first time as a child, and all of a sudden it's like, if I talk the way I talk in Hatfield, I get laughed at. And I don't want my family to get laughed at, you know? Or um, there's, there's so many different things. And you don't even think of it. You know, consciously you thought of it. But a lot of times as a, as a young, young child, if we want to fit into our family, then 
we talk the way they do, you know, or as yeah. teenagers, if we want to rebel, we do things that our family doesn't do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible, man. In, so in this book, Southern Mountain Speech, this, this guy was a professor at the university in Boone. What is it? Appalachian State mm -hmm. University. Yep. And he was, it, it's the, the first part of the book is his history. He's, he's been gone for a while, 20 years or so. Basically, he, he became this, he was raised in rural Appalachia. And he noticed that when kids went to public schools, that these kids came with like basically this fundamental way of communication that, and he makes a case that that fundamental way of communication and grammar and pronoun pronunciation of words had been scripted for the last 150 years. When they went into public school, they were wrong and they were taught something totally different. And he felt like that it was stripping identity away from these people. And he, he, he basically was making a case for who's to say what's right or wrong. And he used, it was interesting because he actually used the word bear as an example. He gave four different examples of the pronoun. I can't. Pronunci I'm, I'm pronunciation. 40 years old. I, I can't change. Okay. <laughs> the pronunciation of the word bear. And, and I can't even say it the way he described it, but like way up north, they would be like bear. They had a way of saying it. They had, a, and, and then I would say it like bear, like an emphasis on the air, bear. In East Tennessee, they say bar. I, oh. I can't replicate it, man. I mean, like, I feel like I am like, I love Tennessee. I wish, I mean, like, I feel like I'm a, at home when I'm over there. I can't say it like Roy Clark and those boys do. Bar. Bar, bar, bar. Do they say creek or crick over there? Crick is Midwestern, man. Okay. Crick is not Southern. He okay. specifically said that. He said, people in Appalachians don't say crick. I had huh. a lot of people write me and say, you could have done that on creek and crick. And I was like, no. Huh. I've, never, I've never said <laughs> crick in my life. Have you, Brent? Don't even get started on pecan. I'm not particular on that word. Really? Pecan? Yeah, pecan, pecan. That's what you put on the bed at night. It ain't what you eat in a pie. <laughs> <laughs> a pecan under the bed? Yeah. Yeah. Pecan. Well, Missy's looking at me like I, I'm I want to know more about Pe what you put under the bed. Pe a pecan. <laughs> the can you pee in. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what, Daniel, in that podcast, Daniel talked about community and the trust thing, and, and you, you seek out people that are part of your community that you identify with. While I'm sitting there listening to that, I'm driving back from Oklahoma and I'm listening to that. I, the, when I was in basic training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma, of course, I'm in there with people from all over the United States. We all look the same. We all got the mm -hmm. same haircut. We, everything that we have and identify with is just like we're, we're dressed and clothed and outfitted identical, uh, identical to the other 40 people in this barracks. Yeah. And the only thing that about midway through, I found myself talking with these three other guys all the time. We were just kind of like, we always, if there was any downtime, we were always together. Nobody even thought to ask where we were all from. One guy was from Houston, Texas. The other two were from Tennessee and I was from Arkansas. And we were the only people in there from the South not one other person and we didn't go together because of that we were drawn together because we all talked the same and it was 
I never even thought so you just, about you it. You found yourself just like drifting you towards these guys. just gravitated toward them. Yeah. There, I, I just read um, in the last couple of weeks, I can't remember the name of the author, but a study has been done on like the underlying factors of PTSD and men and women returning from tours of duty. And the psychologists are be- beginning to connect PTSD symptoms not to active duty like combat front lines encounters, but to... I was embedded in a community where we shared everything, language, culture. We wore the same stuff. We talked the same ways. You're using the same lingo. And for the first time in a lot of these people's life, they were part of a a, a home, like a social group that had integrity across its kind of members. And then you're removed from that. And all of a sudden you have all these, you're, you're depressed, you can't sleep, you're anxious, and they and psychologists are beginning to say, yes, of course, you know, intense combat experiences are uh, nobody's going to argue that's going to mess you up. But we underestimate the deep need that we have for what you experienced and how wonderful yeah. that was. Yeah. And we're just drawn to it. We want it. We and successful organizations, successful companies, they use language to create culture. They've got acronyms. They've got lingo. They've got even like you're Malachi, you're talking about in education. Somebody uses certain terms. You can kind of tell what background they're coming from. We do this all the time everywhere. But we and we can, you know, have differences over it, but we don't realize how deep seated that need is. Yeah. You yeah. know what? You know what really when you're talking about that it makes me think about, you know, there's such a push in society these days for freedom. I want my freedom. I want to be able to do what I feel like I want to do. When in reality, there is actually a lot of safety and stability inside of having boundaries. People thrive inside of boundaries. And when you take away those boundaries, um, they feel unstable and insecure. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really is, It really is. Uh, in my opinion, it's it's a disservice to people to say, you can go do whatever you want. Just you got the freedom to do whatever you want. Yeah. When I don't do that for my own children because I love them. You know, I yeah. give them accurate boundaries and I say, here's your boundaries. Inside of those boundaries, knock yourself out. You know, yeah. I mean, do whatever you want to do. But yeah. here's what the safe line is. And that yeah. actually those boundaries form their identity. Exactly. Because identity isn't just what this is what we do and this is what you can do, but it's also this is who we are not. Yes, exactly. identity is formed by both things: yeah. who Bingo. we are and yeah. who we're not. Bingo is the name yeah. of that dog. Boundless, <laughs> boundless identity oh. is no identity. Yeah. So there are no bounds on your identity. You have no identity. Now, of course, as as humans, you know, depending on kind of language that you use, it, we're kind of we're totally messed up, and so we do identity in messed up ways, and we take those bounds, and they're entirely counterproductive. But the answer is not necessarily, well, let's remove all the bounds. Yeah. Because yeah. you have no identity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being a parent and being a law enforcement supervisor and supervising multiple officers un- in the undercover capacity and later on as uniformed officers and my children, they everybody operates when they know what the parameters are. Mm-hmm. And they know if you get if you get too far the, out of the left side, there's repercussions. If you get too far out of the right side, there's repercussions for that. But if they stay in those parameters in there, that's where they operate best, and that's where life is best. You know, it's it's yeah, it's more structure. That kind of structure is, is really good.
Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Montana Knife Company was founded by Josh Smith, one of the world's most experienced master bladesmiths. He's been making knives for 30 years. Made in the USA and manufactured locally in Montana. The knives come with a multi-generational warranty and free sharpening. Designed, tested, and built by hunters, MKC is a hunting knife company first and foremost. They have the sharpest knives out of the box and the easiest knives to sharpen. And that is the dadgum truth. You better be careful with them when you get them. They are sharp. MKC is a fast-growing company. They just hired their 55th employee and are looking to hire about 50 more in the next year or so. I've carried a lot of these Montana knives, and the one that I like the most is their Speed Goat, which is a lightweight hunting knife, just the right size. MKC knives sell out within minutes of being released. So head over to MontanaKnifeCompany.com. They have new knives for sale every Thursday at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So check their website and sign up for their text and email alerts. That is the best way to find out when they have knives available. Use code BEARGREASE10 for 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the south. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Here's my biggest takeaway from the exploration of this word, which in all honesty, I didn't know the answers to these questions that I set out to find. Like this wasn't some like, it wasn't some mastermind plan. myself right. (laughs) No, I really like, you know, Ranella made fun of me about saying acorn. And I, I, you know, I've picked up now that that's a word that people kind of 
cue in on. And so I was like, what's the deal? So like everything I discovered on there, even talking to Dan was a discovery. And it, this is the way I described it to him. It was almost spooky how familiar we were with what you said, Dan, just like, like social groups and identification and safety and trust. It's like, it's like you were describing to me an operating platform that I would have swore wasn't there because no one taught it to me, quote unquote. It was never conscious, but highly, highly connected to the saying, everyone, there's no escape from it. There, there's nobody that doesn't identify in some way. But this is where I feel like the veil gets pulled back because like you, you talk about like these social groups that we connect to. And I mean, and I have no shame in saying like when I hear somebody say Akron, like I want to give them a high five. Right. Now that I'm <laughs> old and realize there's a difference. At first I just thought normal people said that. Right. Um, but the, that is an external identifier of people and they have stuff that they identify with that I do not. And by me identifying and having insight and awareness to my own self of what makes me feel comfortable and safe, I think that allows me to look into another person's culture who does something way different than me and be like, I get it. Like to look into, you know, I mean, and I can just say like the the opposite of rural culture would be urban culture. Right. And like sometimes I would, it, it could be confusing for someone in the inner city to look at rural culture and just be like, I don't get it. I, I mean, just don't get it. I mean, you could take me for example. Like I grew up in a pretty big city, you know, 150,000 um, graduating class of, of 700 and coming into Arkansas, it's totally different than what, mm-hmm. than what I grew up on. And I think what you're describing is being able to see the value of people mm-hmm. yeah. and being able to, to look at, even though what they're doing is different, there is possibly something I can learn no. and that I can build and, and, and bring into, inside of my life. Yeah. The only reason that I have a, 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 a hunting license is because I watch You Josh. wanted to be on this podcast. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> they, they asked me at the door, you got your hunting license? I said, just bought it yesterday. <laughs> Hot off the press. Hard you know, card. Watching Josh and Clay, you know, go hunting with their sons and, you know, I'm never going to be the type of guy that wants to sit in a tree stand all day. That's just not my life. I don't, I don't place we that value there. We need to put a fly there. rod in his hand. <laughs> yeah, that might work. Yep. But like watching you all, what you do with your kids through hunting, I saw it as an avenue that I can potentially build inside of my life. And so I think it's important that as you interact with people who might say things differently, who might do things differently, you have to look and say, like, what can I value from their life? Yeah. What can I take away that I can build inside of my my own culture? Something that I and that that I think that's a beautiful thing, and I think we have to challenge ourselves to do that yes. consistently. Yeah. It's a it's it's a it's a spiritual internal discipline to be able to like the passion with which I say Akern and you know wear cowboy boots sometimes and have mules and. Like it kind of have this identity, external though it be. Like I can look into somebody else that's and be like, man, they're doing the exact same thing as me. There's there's food that they like, there's words that they like, there's there's smells that they like, there's literature that they like, there's kinds of people that they like, and they're doing the exact same thing as me. And I can respect I can respect that 
you know. So really, that so I, my intent was not that the Acorn podcast would drive us deeper into our social groups. Silos. You've created intense division. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a side now, Daniel. You, you have taken Here's another thing and ruined it. And ruined it. You are what is wrong with America. <laughs> you have polarized this nation <laughs> single-handedly. No, my intent is that Awareness is going to bring. The acorns appreci- will rise again. <laughs> really, man. I, 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 I've said, and I said it again on on the on the fifty years in the backer patch podcast with Mister Roy. Is that like my intent is not to highlight that culture and say that it's like the El Primo culture of anywhere, man. I I pray that somebody else is, and I know they are are making media about other groups that I don't have insight into that with a pure intentions. My intention is not to elevate these guys to it's just, they're, they're valuable. Their culture is valuable. Well, how boring would this place be if we were all the same? Yeah. <laughs> Talking about boring. <laughs> that would be boring. Yeah. 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 Overall it's, companies yeah. would do good. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I buy stock in that. I have stock in it. <laughs> it's the tension and it's like the tension between I want I want to have my really tight knit social group that are, are similar to me and the same as me but I love different things and I don't want things to be bored and so like it's this tension and we're not good at living in the tension between two things we kind of oscillate from one extreme to the other well this is what this is the truth is that as humans as the most conscious beings on planet earth did you say beans? Beans. <laughs> beans. I'm sorry. I just wanted the to make sure. I thought we just diverged. Ma. Did you say ma or ma? <laughs> yeah, this is not a total language. The most conscious beings on the earth. We have the right to complexity. Like, challenge. I, I challenge myself to be complex. Like, I love my culture. I do. I love it. I love it. I don't want to be anything other than that. I like it. But there's a complexity that can be built inside of us, a layer that's like, man, I bet if I love my culture, I bet that guy loves his culture. And I bet he's not that much different than me. And I bet he's a good guy. And it's complex. It's, it's like it's like a layer, <laughs> a layer deeper of thinking that I think is real hard for people. Yeah. But it's it's not hard. Yeah. It's not hard. And and obviously, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, there there are bad people in the earth. I'm not saying that we glorify them, but I'm saying as it pertains to culture, because our country really is in kind of like culture wars, you know, right. in a lot of different ways. Because people are using these external identifiers, which is what you're talking about. Culture right. is an external thing. It's right. it's right. the things that you can see and hear. They're using these external definers to build silos between and to build, draw lines between and really what we should be what we should really care about is the internal definers that people use to define themselves and to build their lives. And those are the things that matter the most. And you can talk to a guy from Appalachian, you can talk to a guy from a, a city and they have two different external cultures and two different external definitions of, of identity, but they can also very much so live their lives by the same internal principles and build their yeah. homes by those same principles. And that those things are what make a person, yeah, you know, a desirable Why in companion. The world or did not? you settle for clay? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I wanna I wanna I want to 
I want to spend the last little bit here talking about um, the Appalachian Mountain Culture Podcast because we're trying to get tied up. But Dan, I want to give you the floor one more time. Acorn Podcast, how, you easily you the were the star one. of it, best <laughs> one yet. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I I think maybe like a mark of like a mark of maturity will be able to know the bounds of your identity, but see something that's different and yeah. and be able to celebrate. But it's so tricky because there are, like Misty said, highly negative ways of doing identity and going about it. Yeah. That's a tough place to live, this world. Yeah. Okay. 50 years in the backer patch, backer field, impressions. So I, I, I listened to that podcast twice. Did you? The first time I listened to it, I have to say... Now, mind you that my I, I married a, a woman who whose family heritage goes to southeast Oklahoma, and uh, they are rural country right. folk. My wife's grandmother got married at fourteen. Um, her first two houses had dirt floors. When we were one night, we spent some time talking with her about um, about what her life was like when years ago and we said what was it like living through the depression and she said well we didn't know there was a depression until someone told us it was over yeah <laughs> and uh that was just their way of life and so um e- even having spent a lot of time around my wife's family there i i did not understand what roy clark said <laughs> Until the, it was almost like I I got fed the the uh, rubric of how to translate it the first time I listened to it, because the second time I listened to it, I understood every word he said. Really, you had a hard time yeah. understanding. The first time him. I listened to it, I, I was and I was doing some work while I was listening to it, but it was like I'm not sure what that what that whole string of words was. But the second time, it was like I caught every single syllable that he mm. said. So I thought that was very interesting. Just that that culture of speak, that dialect, almost. Um, he he has this the most unique dialect that I've heard over there. And it's interesting amongst even families. So he's got an accent within that accent. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, anybody you talk to over there would have a very strong accent to the average ear. But Mr. Roy's, like, I would actually like to get somebody that, that like a language specialist to like dissect some of the things he says because it's just so unique but uh no i a lot of the things that i left in mr roy talks for about 15 minutes he was just talking about his life i mean like selling tomatoes and tobacco and i just wanted i just wanted them to hear him talk and then he did tell some pretty wild stuff about uh they had a live bear uh that was pretty wild right I got to tell you guys, so I met Mr. Roy through bear hunting. Like I went and I bear hunted with him and for three days and we made a film that's, that did really, really cool film on YouTube. It's called best bear hunt. I think it's tight. It's on the bear hunting magazine, YouTube channel. I think it's titled the best bear hunt. Bear hound hunting film of all time, or something. You know, I was trying to do like <laughs> a catchy tagline, but it turns out that it was, uh, <laughs> Oh, it it was incredible film. So that's how I met Mr. Roy. And man, let me tell you something. You don't just walk into East Tennessee and people just open their doors to you. 
they're just like anywhere. Like they're they're they never asked for attention. They they didn't invite me to come to them. I when I first met Mr. Roy, they wouldn't even give me his phone number. Really, I had to go through somebody to get to Mr. Roy. Hmm. I communicated multiple times. Appalachian through, Mafia through Appalachian. someone. So over the years, I've developed a relationship with Mr. Roy, and I mean he 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 just has a way about him. And it's hard to describe, and it, you can't replicate it. Like, you couldn't – I can't watch him and do what he does and me be like this. But he is like – when you watch him interact with his family, when you watch him interact with you, you feel like you're the guy's best friend in the world. And here's here's the best example. that I've – many times – Several times I've stayed with them all day and ended up driving home through the night. So we might have hunted all day. And then once it got dark and we skinned a bear, I was like, fellas, I'm out of here. And I had a 12-hour drive home. Mr. Royal called me at 2 in the morning. Clay, you doing all right, buddy? Making sure you was awake. Yep. I just woke up. I was thinking about you. <laughs> Staying awake. I mean, just call me when you get home. I mean, little stuff like that, just normal. But it's like uh, he he makes everybody feel welcome. I can't tell you, like, uh, my mom mom is, you know, she's known as the queen of hospitality. Right. Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. And I watched people as a child that would come in contact with our family and the way that my mom would care for people and take care of them and do things that she know they would prefer. And as I, you know, as I was growing up, as I became become an adult, there's something very special inside of a culture that makes people feel valued. Yeah. I was talking with my daughter the other night, and it, it's it's more than just making people feel comfortable around you. There is something lacking in the world that makes people at an internal level feel valued. And like Misty was talking about just a minute ago, because I don't care what you do, what you do doesn't define you. Who you are is what defines you. And when when you come in contact with someone who sees the value in you and cares enough to call you in the middle of the night, that's a pretty special thing. Yeah. I mean, that's something that that's that's unique and rare. Yeah. And 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 honestly quite quite beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what that does. And I think I think just just listening to that podcast and hearing you talk about their family, it's like something that they've that they have uh cultivated inside of their little clan. Yeah. And when you're able to come in contact with it, you realize the special thing they have. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to bring up was um what did y'all think about Britt Davis? Mr. Britt Davis. Seven minute that seven minute interview. Phenomenal. Yeah, how about that? Pretty amazing. Yeah. He was um Was he thirteen when he bought that when he property? Bought that house? Yeah. His, dad, yeah. his, dad, his dad died, right? Yeah. He was thirteen years old and grew a crop of tobacco and Can bought you, the farm that, that he lives on yeah. to this day. Literally bought Holy the farm. Holy cow. And, I mean that's and, a heck of a mantle to put on. A twelve-year-old kid. Yep. Yeah. yeah, they they didn't. It wasn't like somebody said, "Hey Clay, ask Mister Britt about how he got his house." That because they would have done that because they did that about a couple other things. They were like, "Hey, ask him about this or that." They, well, they they told me to ask him about how the doctor. I talked about how the doctor, mm-hmm. yeah. in the community yeah. went around. Yep. They put a white flag on yep. their 
mailbox and nobody asked me to it was just it was just normal and what was really neat from a like an interview journalistic standpoint i did not come there to interview mr brit mr brit is always there he he says very little and i really wasn't sure how he would respond to me like putting him on the spot and so i got done interviewing mr roy and Roy is constantly trying to bring other people in, for real. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're hunting with hounds, he's wanting you to put your dog out on the track. And he said, hey, you need to get you need to get Britt over here. Britt, come over here. Come over here. Sit down. And they put the headset on Mr. Britt. And I wasn't prepared to interview Mr. Britt. And I think that's what made it so good. Yeah. Because I just asked him, I was just like, what are your first memories? And you know, he's, and 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 he just started talking, and and he got I kind a little of ran up talking into, about his dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that yeah, surprised that was, me. That yeah. was pretty emotional listening to it. Yeah, that surprised me because I I ran into, you know, that his father had died, and I don't know. You just you just have you, you I did learn something. You have this sense that like a ninety year old man, like you could just ask him outright about his dad. That that was my sense, and and I hope it didn't come across as brash. I actually take out some of the spaces, like sometimes there's in normal communication there'll be a pause for emphasis on bear grease because we're trying to make it efficient. I take out a lot of stuff, so it sounded like I just was like, "How'd your dad die? How'd you handle that?" But really, there was kind of some a little bit more thought in it. But uh, but uh, <laughs> just throwing so that in there. Well, I know I, as I was listening to it, I didn't want to feel rude yeah the way it came across because because i said how did it affect you when your dad died and he he didn't say anything for probably four or five seconds yeah yeah you know and that was he's 90 he'll be 90 well he's 90 now he said if i live till june 2nd because we recorded it before then you know he's 90 78 years ago and it's still you know i'm the same way and my dad's been gone 10 years now, 11 years now. But his reaction to that was just like mine would have been six years ago or right after it happened. Yeah. It's still, a, you know, a deep emotional effect that has guided him to where he sat from that day to where he's sitting right now. That was, you know, what one of the things that guided him to where he is. So Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Britt pretty hunted with them every single day this year. Really? He drives a little Suzuki sidekick, <laughs> little four-wheel drive. Really? And he he just rides around, listens to the bear. You know, the guys have their trucks, and they they the guys that are hunting are, you know, it's a hustle. They're trying to cut off dog races, and it's just like, it's pretty cool. Mr. Britt stays on the radio and knows that country and and you know hear, he'll hear him say man the dogs are headed to Calpen pass yeah. well he'll get in his suzuki and head over there he <laughs> can get out and listen to the dogs and oh, uh he i'm pretty sure he told me he hunted every day with them this year that they hunted so the tennessee season has like you know see three they have three different seasons that are you know however long but uh pretty pretty unique um i thought uh so part two of the podcast is going to be about moonshine, NASCAR, and bear hunting. It was all supposed to be in one podcast, and when I got diving into it, it was just too much. I really want to dive into moonshine because oh. moonshine was 
it's a little racist. It's, it'll it's burn handled. Your nose. Listen, I'll forecast to you what's going to happen on this. Like people talk about moonshine, hard liquor, as if it's like candy. I mean, like even when you're in that country, like you see it on billboards, and it's just this like playful thing, like oh moonshine. Well, man, moonshine ruined a lot of families. I had a guy over there who didn't want to be on the podcast. I kind of tried to get him on, and he he decided he didn't want to be. But you know, he he told me he said, "Man, moonshine was like the meth dealers hmm. of that time. Wow, it ruined families. It and and so." And that's one like pretty dramatic extreme, but the other extreme is that that yeah moonshine no big deal, and you heard what Mister Roy said. I gave you just a snippet. Yeah, is he said, I said, what do you think about liquor? And he said, I don't want anything to do with it. And he was real upfront, and he wouldn't have said it if he didn't want. You know, he didn't. He just said it because it was true. He said, he said, my some of my family stayed drunk their whole life, and I. Wasn't going to be that way. That is why I like Mr. Roy. I mean, nobody's perfect, but that kind of character is just like, I made a decision when I was a kid. I ain't going to be like these guys. I'm not going to have somebody take have to take care of me. And, that's, and, he, and that type of character is only found when you go deeper, right? You think about that region and that country. I think yeah. you, you immediately have ideas and thoughts of who they are and, you know yeah. what they're about. I bet if you polled, if you listened to that podcast up until that point, and you polled a hundred people, and you said, "Does this guy drink moonshine?" <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah. What? Would, how many would have said yes? He does. Ninety-three. Ninety percent. Yeah. And then he was like, "No, sir, I ain't yeah. touching this." Very stuff. adamant about it. Now I'll yeah. confess, I won't. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you drunk? (laughs) When he was was talking about those fermenting peaches in that barrel, I was thinking, now, how would it be bad to walk by there with a coffee cup, kind of maybe take a dip out of that? (laughs) I thought about that on the way up here. That did come through your mind. It did, it did. We're being total honesty. Here's the the cool part is that I go in quite quite a bit of depth with Dr. Dan Pierce Mm -hmm. about moonshine and when you hear the whole context it makes a lot of sense i mean he talks about the scots irish culture he talks about how they came here before there were laws regarding liquor and then how the government came in and made laws that basically took the legs out and basically when you see the whole thing it kind of makes sense and you kind of get it and you realize that maybe all these people weren't just bad people and they certainly were not all drunks i mean like no. there, there's there's many ways to look at it but i i feel like in this next podcast we're gonna get a balanced look at it that doesn't glorify it but also just just shows why it was there you know this artifact of these people being who they were so it's very interesting and then uh nascar is a big part of that and then roy clark i mean like most of what we talked about in the interview was bear hunting and so we're going to dive into that a bunch more. And there's a couple other guests. And so part two will be. It won't be me, folks. <laughs> it, not still you. not Josh. No, still not Josh. You're an Appalachian expert, though. <laughs> Subject. Hey, what expert. about the music? Epic. It was pretty epic. I love how you can hear everybody in the background like, come on. Yeah, like they're yeah. pulling everything together. Man. How many was... folks were in that room? Oh, I don't know. 25. Mm-hmm. Wow. All family. Was... Yeah. yeah. We were the only people that weren't. 
There, there was a neighbor, a couple of neighbors. Family there. or family like they kind of yeah. take care of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you get lumped in the family. Yeah. yeah. There'll be some more music on the next podcast, but what do you think about Ola Bell Reed? Oh wow, that is a that's a treasure. There. Wasn't yeah. that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wanted to show her. You know, she like obviously none of us knew her or anything, right? But she was a iconic Appalachian woman and banjo player, songwriter, and I called her a philosopher because she kind of was. Do you know when that recording was from? 1973. What? What? I, I mean, the stuff she was saying was just like, how apropos to today. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She was you can't very... can't make fun of it. She yeah. was yeah. very uh, balanced. And she. there's quite a bit of recordings of her talking. And I loved how she said... She's she's not trying to go backwards. She in other places in her speech, she's like, I'm not I'm not saying that we need to go back to these times. And that's how I ended the podcast. Is I said, I am not I hope people don't get right. the idea that like I am like lustfully looking back at the past, wanting to go back. Because that is not true. The only way to progress is to I mean, we gotta find a ways to be relevant today. Right. And that is my goal. Yeah, I think that that's even a, a part of the bear grease is that you're acknowledging the good and you're taking the good from these ancient things, but you're combining them together with progression, movement forward, advance. How did you think I ended the podcast, Miss Newcomb? Would you have done it any different? Always. Misty or Gary Newcomb one. <laughs> Misty's like, I give it a strong six. Uh, I'll give it. Be- I think Gary 15. gave it a three, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Five no. stars. My favorite podcast. No, I. I, uh, I also want to say as we close here, and we're about we are about to close. I'm going to get out of the South at some point. Like almost all the podcasts have been, I know Dan, sorry, man. All, all the podcasts have been Southern focused. And honestly, that was for no, that wasn't really strategy. I mean, people have been like, oh, meat eaters trying to get into the South. I mean, if that was their plan, they didn't tell me. <laughs> and they, and I could have done anything, you know, I mean, inside the boundaries of what they asked me to do. Before they send you abroad, or are they going to? Are you going to have some tutorials or workshops on how, <laughs> how to, to say acorn? How to <laughs> how to speak? I don't know. <laughs> Fit in with the locals? Yeah, you know, I just it just might be a good best of my horizon. I just yeah, wonder. Britt Davis only made one trip out of Appalachia his whole life. <laughs> that was when he went amazing. to yeah. see t- go to Texas. Yeah, yeah, that's about like me. <laughs> <laughs> you spent a lot of time in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> that's a definitely yeah, foreign country. Yeah. Um, no, I just want to say that for people. I've had a few people be like, oh, you got to get it. Or, you know, just like, is this all this is going to be? But I tell you what, I've got as much feedback, positive feedback from non-Southern people as anything. We are going to get out get out of the South and do some different things. And But all gonna, the negative feedback is from people up North. Yeah, it's going to basically be us <laughs> critiquing their culture. <laughs> it's going to be me and Brent going around critiquing everyone else's culture. That don't culture. make no sense. <laughs> what do you that think, That dog Brent? will not hunt. <laughs> uh, no, really. Thank you guys for coming. The Bear Grease Render, ton of fun. Thank you guys. Beautiful cowbell, Dan. Beautiful percussion. 
Brent, good good job on the washboard. Thank you, buddy. Everything. Um, I never hey, knew what leave us were in. leave us a review on iTunes, man. I mean, just tell us the truth. Or woman. Or, I mean, man, right. when I say that, I mean mankind This is the kind of thing general. you can't do when you leave the South. This is this needs to be in the workshop. Ooh. Hey, this is what I was going to end on. And, I, and I'm not like, maybe I am trying to bring this up, but Joe Rogan, did you hear the compliment he gave oh, yeah, on my mustache. mustache, Josh? I did. I, I think did I, I did. And I was like, uh, it was like, I'm so proud. I kept waiting for him to give you credit. Oh, mm, that was, just, it was Clay's chance. I, that was his chance. Was Sorry, like, Josh. Just the way <laughs> he described you know, let, it. Let's t- we should ask, though, Joe Rogan is probably an urban dweller. How many mustaches is he exposed to? Hipsters have mustaches like crazy. Oh, I'm getting the stink eye from Dan. <laughs> the stink <laughs> eye. Yeah, I, that came out of left field for me. Hey, it's a, it's so a good mustache. I, I did, hey, if, if anybody from the Bear Grease world doesn't know, Check out the uh, whatever episode it was on. I was on Joe Rogan. That was pretty cool. Pretty Check cool. it out. Check it out. Everyone in this room is totally unimpressed. They've never heard of Joe Rogan. Probably none of you have either Joe that are listening. I think it's this. Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of confusion in my family. Really? It's kind of a big letdown when you like tell your funny. dad, hey, dad, I'm going to be on Joe Rogan. And he's like, who's she? <laughs> <laughs> well, my son, Hunter. He, he was he was very impressed. He's still impressed. He called me and talked to me about it today. Now like, that guy's wife thought that Clay was going to, I don't know the chain of events, but thought Clay was going to do carpool karaoke with Joe Rogan. <laughs> we just did that. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this you happened. Made you made well, it. hey, I really like the live music edition to the Bear Grease podcast. You may hear more of this kind of stuff in the future. <laughs> Take us home, Clay. <laughs> Freebird. <laughs> High on the mountaintop. Woo! All right. Keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live and that's where we get bear grease. <laughs> High on the mountaintop. Tell me what you see. Bear tracks, bear tracks. Look back at Misty. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana. They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to customers is simple. Gear the way you design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Using tracking equipment on my squirrel and coon dogs is extremely important to me. Get 20% off your first purchase using the code BEARGREASE. Go to www.sportdog.com slash beargrease to learn more. <laughs> 